City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What it do? Liquor Mark. That was a long what it do. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. We are back uh, to discuss the looming draft. It is in eight days from now, Tim. Uh, the NBA Finals are over. The Nuggets were, were victorious. So we're looking to draft, what, the next Nikola Jokic at number two? <laughs> that we're doing? Um, no, but we're going to be talking about Brandon Miller versus Scoot Henderson, the topic that's on um, everybody's minds at the current moment. Tim, who do you want to talk about first, Brandon or, or Scoot? Um, let's start with Scoot, if you don't mind. Let's do it. Okay, so we'll break, break them down both by just sort of uh, upsides and then potential negatives. Um, with, with Scoot, his athleticism is crazy. Um, like he's a top, top percent athlete coming into the league. He had 16 dunks this year, which is a lot for a point guard. Um, when you watch him play, he's just like incredibly quick and he's a very, very good finisher. I think he finished the season like above 60% at the rim, which is already better than Lamelo. Uh, and that's like one of his best attributes. He also is a very good playmaker. He was in the 95th percentile in assist percentage in the G League and also in the 95th percentile in just assists overall in the G League uh, in per game stats. And uh, those are that those are like the two biggest upsides with him, Tim. You, you can take it away from there. Um, yeah, I agree with the athleticism. I've, I've kind of had a hard time wrapping my head around like – what player he most reminds me of. Uh, Cause like, it's not a, it's not like a John Morant or even like John wall type. It is, it has like this ineffable quality, almost like a De'Aaron Fox type. I mean, just extremely quick can get to a spot whenever he wants. Um, yeah. 16 dunks. Uh, he missed six dunks, which I think is kind of goofy. If you watch him, I mean, some of them were just, you know, going for outrageous posters and some that's just bad luck. Um, the 6'9 wingspan just throws me off watching him because um, you're like, oh, he's 6'2". He's really going to get up there. But it's like he almost just kind of lays the ball in. So I'm just so long. It's like he just, you know, kisses the rim and gets out. Uh, the playmaking, I think, is really interesting as well. Uh, you know, those assists could have been a lot higher. Uh, his three-point shooters really let him down. As you kind of notice, anytime you watch Scoot highlights, you'd be like, wow, what a great pass. And it's like, Clank, clank, clank. Uh, but I like, it's not like a Russell Westbrook style of like, I have to get all the way to the rim, let the defense fully collapse, then pass out. He's always like a, you know, a half second ahead getting the ball out. It's not like he's just holding on to the ball, milking assist Rondo style. Yeah. So, so one thing that's interesting with Scoot is like to compare him to LaMelo because they both play the same position. And um, I was thinking about this. He's not a better playmaker than Lamelo. Like Lamelo's passing ability is uh, elite and like extremely unique. But when he drives to the paint, he actually gets attention from the defense, whereas Lamelo doesn't get that much attention. And so when he drives to the paint, he passes out to the corner just like Lamelo does. But that pass out to the corner when Scoot's driving uh, is going to be more open than when Lamelo's driving, right? Because Scoot just draws the attention of the defense pretty much at every level of, of the court, except from beyond three point range, maybe. Um, so that's like uh, an advantage he has over, over Lamelo is that when he drives, he's actually getting the, the attention of the defense. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, one thing that I do love about, you know, this time of the year watching non NBA players it does kind of make you appreciate, uh, you know, the guys, you know, because we'll harp on the mellow a lot. But, uh, you know, and Scoot is a really, really good passer and, you know, makes the right reads. But, uh, you know, like you'll notice a lot of times, like, the ball is a little high or, you know, a little low. The guy has to, like, move around. And you're just kind of so used to LaMelo just hitting people directly in their shooting pocket every single time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, Lamelo is definitely a better a better passer. But like when you throw, if you change the word to like playmaker, I think it's like a little bit different. You know, uh, it 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 could, it's kind of a toss up between between the two when you're evaluating them, um, because Lamelo is able to make that on the money pass, the crazy passes. But like I said, Scoot's just drawing drawing the defense like a little bit more, getting a little bit more attention. Um, a couple of other things on Scoot. You, I want to go back to that comparison, like trying to compare him. I think like worse playmaker than Trey Young, and also worse athlete than John Morant. Just like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, he's not. You know, John Morant also John was a year older when he came in, uh, into the league, their college stats, uh, really John Wall's college stats are pretty much a mirror to scoots. Obviously, you know, NCAA 12 years ago versus G league, you know, it's different competition, different pace, all that stuff. Um, but pretty similar. I do, I do like the playmaker aspect and that's kind of where, uh, where I got lost on Josh Giddy. We're like, Josh Giddy, clearly a genius passer, but it's like, doesn't really break the defense down. I mean, he did start to this year, but that was more my concern. And, you know, like the John Wall playbook of he always generated the most corner threes every season for like five years. It's like, yeah, because it's just a full head of steam. You have to close up on him. And I could definitely see Scoot doing that as early as like year one, just Mm -hmm. being an absolute menace on the break and finding PJ for four threes a game. Yeah. No, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. His playmaking ability um, is is very high, and we, and we can talk about can he play with Lamelo in a second. Let's do like more of a deep dive on his statistics. Um, so I I used my recent, uh, I recently completed a data science bootcamp, Tim, and uh, I pulled up some stats and I got got all the percentiles of uh, Scoot Henderson in the G League this season. And when you look at the statistics. It, it's like not super great. His percentages are not very high. Like two per, two point percentages is in the twenty seventh percentile. Effective field goal percentage is in the twenty fifth percentile. Um, but in the NBA, I think he's going to be asked to shoot a little bit more threes. He only shot nineteen percent of his shots from three this past season. So if he can get his three point percentage up and just shoot more threes that'll help him out from a, like an efficiency standpoint. He also was just the focus of the offense. Whereas regardless of where he's drafted, like there'll be another player that will be better than him this year. Um, so he, he won't be asked to do like quite as much. And I could see the efficiency numbers going up. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the downside, like his three point shooting percentage in the regular season in the G league was 27.5%. And we talked about that on our live lottery reaction podcast. He can't really shoot right now, and he is also small. Those are the two kind of red flags. I, I would consider them both red flags with Scoot. Yeah, I think that those are those are like the two red flags. Um, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be pretty interesting, obviously. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, a joking thing where like, oh, well, LaMelo only shot 28% when he was in Australia. Obviously, LaMelo is the exception to the rule. Uh, so I wouldn't expect that from Scoot. But yeah, I mean, for Scoot to be an effective player, it's like he pretty much just has to crack like 33% from three with how great he is at everything else. It's like that's pretty much his his one threshold. The size does, it is a little alarming. Uh yeah, the 6'2", but with the 6'9 wingspan, I just don't know who is really going to be taking extreme advantage of him if he's playing the one. Like, you know, what point guard are you really worried about just abusing Scoot? Right. No, I, I would agree with you. I'm actually not as concerned about the size because of his athleticism and his wingspan, like you said. I'm my The one, like, swing factor with him is can he shoot? If he If he can shoot uh way better than he did in the G League than uh All-Star, I think. Um but if it remains around the same, his his role on a team kind of has to be like ball dominant, which is a little concerning. 
Yeah, I know. Like, people talk about, like, well, he's actually an excellent cutter. He can do this. But it's like, there's only so many times you can cut. You know, like, right. it is yeah. a good, like, that's like an underrated thing with the uh, the Heedle era, you know, LeBron, the big three, where, like, you know, Wade couldn't shoot threes, but he might be the best cutter in modern NBA history. So it's like, that does create space. But it's also just a lot easier to shoot, you know, if you shoot 35% from three, then everything is pretty smooth. Um, a weird, like, idiosyncrasy or uh, idiosyncratic thing I've noticed with Scoot, uh, the first time I've ever watched a player and been like, I cannot wait to get his hand size. I've never, uh, he does the Jordan palming of the ball pretty frequently where he just kind of holds it out with one hand. I think just aesthetically very cool. And worst case scenario, cause I think a lot of like, who is the best young guard that has come into the league and like had like an efficient rookie season. Can you remember like the last 20 year old that's done that? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the names that come to mind would be Luca, Ja, Trey, but they weren't super efficient in their rookie seasons. Yeah, so I think, you know, that first year, it's going to be rough. Like, there's, like, this misconception that, like, oh, you know, big men, they come in, they take a long time. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that big men come in and, like, you kind of know if a big man is going to be a rotation player within his first year. But with guards, I think, like, you know, look at Dennis Smith Jr., similar profile. It took him, you know five, six years, and that's abnormal. But I think guards, it's just going to take Scoot, you know, two years to be like a full-time winning player. Yeah. No, I, 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 would, I would agree with that. I mean, I could also see him coming in and like the three-point shooting numbers were just like an anomaly. He works with a shooting coach and he can shoot really well. I could see him being a beast. Um, He's working with Steph Curry's shooting coach. Is that right? Yeah, who is a Charlotte native. That's interesting. Well, he's got to shoot. He's got to shoot more threes. Like he's got, he has to be able to shoot threes. Um, name a name a guard in the NBA that can't shoot threes that's super successful. Like it just doesn't really exist. I um, guess yeah, like Dejounte Murray, but I mean, is he super successful? No, no, yeah. So, so I guess like the floor, the floor for Scoot is pretty pretty high. But you just brought up Dennis Smith Jr. and now I'm questioning that, <laughs> but. But uh, yeah. but he, he's he's better than Dennis Smith Jr. was. It you know, no offense to the Wolfpack. Yeah, I mean, same age. He was he was better. He's a much better passer. Uh, yeah. I would say he's he's more athletic as well. Someone that came to mind, uh, and this sounds bad based on how his career has gone, but pre-injury, Eric Bledsoe. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Another thing about him is that he gets to the line like a pretty high percentage of the time, 20% free throw rate, um, which put him in the 73rd percentile in the G League this past season. And he really is able to score um, from all three levels. Like we've talked about him not being a great three-point shooter. If if he can develop that, then he's a three-level scorer. Like his, mid, his mid, mid-range game is pretty sick. Um, he only shot 46.5% on twos this past season, but – his his mid range game, like I trust that mid range shot way more than I trust the three three point shot uh, from him. So he he is a guy who who can just get into a pick and roll uh, and get the best outcome out of that, like a very high percentage of the time, which is a modern NBA skill. Yeah, he's definitely got some uh, that boy nice highlights mm-hmm. where uh, yeah you just see because guys will go into the screen, but I mean that just lets him he just will then reset the screen at eighteen feet. I mean, he just, like, walks into these 16-footers. I mean, they, guys have to give him so much space. Otherwise, he's just going to walk to the rim. So, yeah, he's just very comfortable just pulling up from the elbow, knocking it down. I think the – I mean, I, I'd say, you know, was it 47%? I would take that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Compar- comparison to Lavello slash, like, can they play together? Um, you're not supposed to draft for fit on your team. Like, that's, like, every – NBA analytics person's like one of their defining philosophies when it comes to the draft. Like, just draft the best player possible if your team sucks, right? But I, but I don't think that like GMs necessarily think that way. Um, like, do you think Mitch Kupchak is going to go for fit here? Because if it's for fit, I think it's Brandon Miller. If it's for if it's for all star upside potential, I think it's I think it's Scoot. Um, and do you think that Scoot and Lamelo can play together? 
yeah, so I'll answer the last question first. I think they absolutely can. Because I mean, we've seen with LaMelo, you know, Hornet fans know, there's like a misconception with national media. So like LaMelo is like 2017 James Harden as far as just controlling the ball. I mean, he plays off the ball a ton. I mean, he will let Cody Martin run the offense like three straight possessions. Like he's he's comfortable off ball. And I think that, I think that him and Scoot would actually be like a perfect match. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap between their skill sets, though. Like, both of them like to get, like, a high number of assists. Um, I mean, both of them are bad at defense, which is a problem. Or, I mean, Scoot's, Scoot's not terrible at defense, but that would be not a great defensive backcourt, Lamel and Scoot Henderson. Um, so that's that's a little bit of a problem. And, I mean, I would, I would say the fit is not great. But I can be swayed by the opinion that, like, Scoot is just, like, a better prospect. But I don't ex- – like, explain to me why you think they're a good fit together. Okay. Um, I think that LaMelo is equal – I mean, you know, obviously we prefer to have him running more pick and roll. Like, you know, we do want uh, – the usage was up last year, but, I mean, it's kind of just so hard to evaluate last season. Um, I think that if you are running – a little more through Scoot, LaMelo provides that gravity. And if Scoot does collapse the defense, LaMelo gets the ball. He can then, you know, drive, shoot. And if he does decide to make a pass, pretty confident he's going to make the right decision. I, like, I don't think that LaMelo is ever going to be that, like, heliocentric, super heavy usage guy. I don't think that Scoot would be either. But I think pairing them together, I think they're both unselfish I mean, the shooting is a little worrisome with Scoot, and uh, this is kind of a lazy comp to do to his brother. But think about what Lonzo did those, like, 30 games with the Bulls before his body kind of failed him. I mean, if you just play him as, like, a secondary playmaker, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I I have, like, a hard time thinking it won't go to, like, your turn, my turn kind of situation with the two of them on the court. Um, I see. I see what you're saying about Lamelo, like in theory, but th- I mean, like you said, this past season his usage rate was way up. Is he gonna want to give up, like the ball, uh, as much as he would have to with a with another uh, star guard? Um, I mean, okay, if Scoot's if Scoot's the best player, I think we take we should take him, right? I'm not saying I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I'm just saying that. I don't see the vision. Like, give me an example of two guards like those two working together. Um, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell knocked down the first round. I mean, yes, uh, we haven't been to the first round. I don't know if you've uh, if you've heard that news yet. Oh shit! Wait, wait, we have. (laughs) We have. (laughs) These are these are different players, but I do think that Lamelo is a the in the same grade of shooting. This might be overrating him a little bit. John Morant, Desmond Bain. Obviously, Bain's a much better defender. I mean, completely different players, but as far as, you know, just playing off each other, it's not like Bain's running a ton of pick and rolls. But I just view, I mean, I think that Scoot could be the best player on our team two years from now. And if he's number one and LaMelo is number two, that's that's kind of what I'm foreseeing. I'm kind of viewing Scoot as the guy that could, you know, he'll be number one and then work through there. And I think LaMelo is a number two, which I do think is going to be his destiny overall in the NBA. It's like a number two, maybe on an awesome team, like a number three. And I think that that will just make things easier on LaMelo where he's not going to just throw up those 18 foot floaters or drive into traffic for no reason. I think if you just kind of minimize that and that's assuming that, you know, Scoot does turn out in you know 90th percentile outcome okay and yeah time for time for a quick rant uh it just pisses me off that lamello can't finish like if if he could finish it around the rim he would be so good um but he just can't it's been three years he hasn't been able to to, like add that to his game uh i mean you watch scoot and he's six two and he's dunking the ball 16 times in the season lamello dunks like only on wide open fast breaks He's got to get way better at, at absorbing contact. This is just a random rant, but like, if Lamelo wants to be—I mean, you just said second best player on a really good team—like, 
he could be the best player on the team if he could just develop that and get to the line. Yeah, he I feel like there's a this is a completely untested theory that I'm throwing out there. You know, like LeBron and Giannis, they don't get as many foul calls as I think they should get because they're so big. And LaMelo's on the entire opposite end of the spectrum where I feel like refs see him and they're like, this dude is skinny. He's soft as hell. He's flailing. That's not real contact. Like he, he almost over contact, man. He, do, he doesn't. No, uh, that's, that's also true. He, he yeah. avoids it, which is kind of weird because he's a very good free throw shooter. I right. mean, but maybe he just doesn't feel like getting elbowed in the face twice a game. And, yeah. or also, I mean, you know, maybe if we were a better team, like, you know, if we were going for the fifth seed or the sixth seed, like we're trying to get home court, maybe LaMelo would just be like, all right, these bruises are worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really the only, like, noticeable flaw in his game, but it's it's a big one. In every single season, I've been like, all right, he's going to put on weight and, like, add to that. But but he hasn't yet. He's he's kind of stayed the same same kind of player. Since his rookie season, and I'd like to see him add add to the game just a little bit. Um, so that's that's my rant. Yeah, and I think it's a I think it's a fair rant because I mean he really he surprised us a lot. You know, his first you know really like first two years took the leap. You know, the second half of the second season and last season was kind of a lost season with like thirty six games. It wasn't enti- like it wasn't his fault. I don't blame him for just. I wouldn't say he was quiet quitting, but you know. Pretty lost season. It's like showing up to a shitty job. We've all done it. And I just don't know, like, is that going to carry over towards next season? Is it going to be? Apparently, you know, LaMelo's friends with everyone that's ever played basketball. And him and Scoot are close. They have a good relationship, allegedly, whatever that means. Um, But I don't know. I I, I feel like I'm too – I sound like I'm too low on LaMelo. I do love him. But yeah, it's a little frustrating. I just don't really ever see him having like a killer mid-range game just with, you know, shot is so unorthodox, kind of hard to consistently create good looks with it, even though, you know, he's a great three-point shooter, but more space out there. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say that Scoot is like a, like a lifeboat that is going to come and put things into order, but I guess I'm, I'm blindly, I'm hoping that that is the case. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to to Brandon Miller. Um, so, le- uh, just general overview overview of Brandon Miller: elite shooter, six nine, like pretty good passer. He shot like thirty eight and a half percent from three in college. And if you pull up any Brandon Miller highlights, the first five minutes are just glorious because it's just him knocking down three after three after three. Um, and at 6'9", that's a that's a super impressive skill set to have. Um, player comps would be like Chris Middleton, Buddy Heald. Those are the kind of players that come to mind. Probably not the same upside as, uh, as a guy like Scoot Henderson. But potentially a higher floor, I would say. Um, because tall guy who can shoot, like that's super valuable in the NBA. This is a deep cut. Um, yeah, like I with the the higher floor keeps getting thrown out there, but like, what if he's just like Kareem Rush? Mm, that is deep. That is a deep cut. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I don't think he is going to be that. But you know, we're talking about okay. If Scoot can hit thirty five percent of threes, then like, look out. Like this guy is you know all star minimum. With Brandon Miller, it's like. Man, if he doesn't hit 38% of threes, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so to play devil's advocate, I think he also has pretty sick ball handling skills for somebody that's all. Um, I mean, everybody's going crazy about Victor Omniyama's ball handling skills. Brandon Miller at 6'9", like, that's <laughs> that's still impressive, right? Like, uh, we're now we're just, like, blown away by the 7'6 guy who can dribble, but but six nine guy who can dribble like that also is impressive. Um, his his handle, his ability to make dribble moves and get his, get to his spots is uh, a very very good skill. The problem with him is that he's just like not a great athlete at all. Blowing blowing by people for him is a problem. Um, and I wonder like some of the things that he was able to do in college, uh, like 
certain certain shots against NBA defenses, I'm not sure that that's going to fly. Um, I think that he'll get a shot blocked or just have somebody in his face um, when he's trying to do that same thing in the NBA. Whereas Scoot, his his skills seem like immediately transferable to the NBA. Yeah, it's like, especially after what we saw with Dennis Smith Jr. last season, it's like, okay, he could be a facsimile of that, you know, obviously the defense won't be as good, but it's like, you can do that. Brandon Miller, yeah, the athleticism, I guess I was kind of thrown off, like, the way that people were talking about him, you know, pre-tournament, they were just like, man, you know, he's got some real Paul George, some Jason Tatum, like, I'm seeing it, so I was, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome, so excited to watch this. And, uh, yeah, closer to, like, a Chandler Parsons, Danny Granger, you know, both very good players. Um, you know, nowhere near that athleticism. Yeah, he shot um, 39% at the rim in half-court situations this season. Got his shot blocked 20 times. Doesn't have insane bounce. He can get to his spots, but it's kind of the, the release that throws me off a little bit, where Tatum, George... They kind of shoot like above, you know, like over their head. Like they have a very high release. Miller kind of like starts like around the chin and then pushes up over his face. Which, you know, if he's getting guarded by someone who's 6'6", it kind of negates the height advantage. Like he's not shooting over those guys. You know, I mean, Kevin Durant's obviously like unassailable. But, you know, even like... Uh, like Kawhi, even with Kawhi on one leg, he's still getting his shot up over six, seven guys, no problem. But Miller, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't know how transferable the shot is going to be, like in ISO situations, which is not end all be all, of course. See, I would be willing to bet uh, money that he shoots like above thirty six percent next season. Uh, to to me, his shot form is so clean. Um, I I agree with what you're saying about him not getting his shot above his head. But, like, I mean, he's the best player on his team. He's taking shots that he's just, like, not going to have to take in the NBA uh, at Alabama. Um, and yeah, I do, I do think he's a little bit more of a sure thing than, than Scoot. Because uh, you, can, you can name – we've named a couple examples of, like, athletic point guard who, like, seems sick prior to the draft and then flames out. It, it exists, right? Um, Tall guy who can shoot, that's that's a like more sure thing skill set. Um, yeah, but, I mean, whenever you can take Corey Kispert with the second pick, I mean, you have to do that. <laughs> I see, what, see what you're doing, Tim. Right. <laughs> I, I don't believe that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, he's he's got some sick sick dribble moves. Um, the the problem is just just the lack of athleticism that he he did not display in college if he had like just a little bit more speed and a little bit more ability to get by people he would be like an elite elite prospect but he doesn't really have that it's more it's more his dribbling uh and his size in college that that were uh benefited him in in shooting the ball but i i could see that that's just like a college thing i could see that potentially uh, being an issue in the NBA with better defenders. Yeah, I could, I could see it. But like that being said, like I do, I do sound like I'm too low on Brandon Miller. Like if there is no Wemby in this class and like, you know, that Scoot is going number one and we were getting Miller second overall, I'd be like, this guy is a stud. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would, that would change things. It really comes from me being, I, I've just been drinking the Scoot Kool-Aid. Um, yeah. Miller, what kind of throws me off he was assisted on 81% of his made threes. I mean, which will be similar in the NBA as well, but it's not as though he's, you know, popping off a bunch of step backs. He also shot 29% from mid range too. Oof. His free throw percentage was mad high though. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but like the, in terms of you look at his shooting numbers and try to predict if he's going to be a good shooter, it, it all lines up. He's going to be a good shooter. Yeah, I do. I do think like, I don't think he's going to be one of like, have one of these random like, oh, yeah, he's 32%. Like, I do think he'll be a very good shooter. Um, I don't want to seem super low on him. Like, I know his assist to turnover ratio, I think it was like, you know, two to two, you know, one to one. Um, I do think he's like a better passer than that. I don't think he's going to be like a bad like flame out player. But as you said, I don't know something like, again, this is from watching too many Hornet games. 
like he might just be like the PJ Washington of two guards or three guards. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that being his his like floor, which is not what you want in number two. So, but what I, I don't know if that is like his floor. I think his floor is lower than that. I I disagree. I disagree. He's I think he's already taller than PJ Washington. He's already a better passer than PJ Washington. He already has a better ball handle than PJ Washington, and he's already a better shooter than PJ Washington. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's likely that he goes below that, but like you know, PJ is going to get paid. Like PJ is going to be a starter for a long time. It's like you know, we always talk about you know known versus unknown. Uh, you know, with trading picks, like PJ showed himself that like he's an NBA starter. I'm not saying like I don't think that Miller is going to be a bust or anything, but I don't know. I could see him really getting stifled by NBA defense. See, like his first his first year, he's also sneaky a little older than you think. Wait, how old is he? He's going to be like 21 by the time the season starts. Okay, yeah, I I didn't know that. Um, I I would push back against. I think I think PJ says four, dude. Uh, I, I would push back on that again. Like, like all of the offensive skills, Brandon, Brandon Miller uh, checks the box of being better than P.J. Washington. But def- defensively, P.J. is better at, at the moment, for sure. But, uh, but Brandon Miller offensively would be a, a way better player. Yeah, again, I don't want to sound like I'm too low. and I'm not even like a big P.J. fan. I guess just I'm, this is really just a semantic thing of, of floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, we're talking about like the absolute worst possible con- scenario. I, I guess I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's let's frame it. Uh, who who do you want, Tim, at number two? <laughs> <laughs> I want Scoot. I kind of want to talk about. Uh, sorry to go on another diatribe here. Uh, Cupcheck's drafts since mm-hmm. he's been here. You know, because the the rep with Jordan is like he likes big program guys that, you know, we're all Americans to this and that. But over the last, like, three years, it's kind of, it's a little wishy-washy since LaMelo, you know, took the chance on LaMelo, who's not, you know, like a true blue college guy. Uh, Book Knight played for UConn, but wasn't, you know, he was viewed as more of, like, you know, high upside guy. Same thing with Kai Jones, which doesn't fit into the Hornet stereotype. Mark Williams more so does. So I'm pretty interested to see, like, I could, I think you could make a case that, okay, Cupcheck's finally looking for upside. Or you could be like, well, we just drafted Mark Williams and Brandon Miller, you know, number one seed for a majority of the season last year. I want us to take Scoot Henderson. Okay. So, yeah, emotionally, I, I described this to you the other day. If the Hornets pick Scoot and Brandon Miller is a better player, I don't think that'll be devastating for me. But if the Hornets pick Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson is like rookie of the year, how painful will that be to him? It'll be, it'll be so, so painful because consensus is that Scoot Henderson is the second best player in the draft. I guess that's, I mean, it's up for debate. There are a lot of people saying a lot of different things, but, but on, on Hornets Twitter, on what most of what I'm saying, seeing it's, uh, it's Scoot Henderson too, right? So if, uh, if Brandon Miller is better it's like, all right, at least we did the thing that people were saying we should do. Um, and that's not, that's not super rational. Um, but I think for the upside, I'm, I'm leaning Scoot at the moment as well. Uh, his, just watching him is just super fun. Uh, it, I, I think he'll be a more, more fun player than Brandon Miller next year. Um, and if the LaMelo-Scoot backcourt pairing works, then it'll, it'll be electric. Yeah, I agree. Yes, aesthetically. You said, you know, next year it'll be more exciting. Even watching Scoot Henderson on the sidelines in a suit, I think would be more exciting. Um, no <laughs> offense to Brandon Miller. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're just, just go process results. We're, we're so used to picking, you know, between nine and 11 every year that like, you know, more the floor versus ceiling is a little different. This is the second pick. We go ceiling. You know, you go for the guy like Scoot Henderson. Like, what is Brandon Miller's absolute, like, he hits 100th percentile? Is he a... Yeah, so he's like a fringe, he's like a third-team All-NBA. Maybe if he's super hot to close the season, could sneak in in a weak year. 
for second team. Like, I think Scoot could be, like, first team All-NBA guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, if he can shoot. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think even even if he doesn't become, like, a great shooter, I mean, John Morant, before he just completely self-combusted, really good chance he was going to make first-team All-NBA last year. Mm-hmm. And not that they're the same player, but... Yeah, like, John, even, like, better athlete and currently slightly better three-point shooting as well, but yeah. But no, I mean, I'm I'm interested. Like that being said, like again, I sound like I'm I'm too low on Miller. I think the fit will be good either way. Like you know, if we end up with Brandon Miller, I think he's going to be even with Steve Clifford, you know, being how he is. I mean, he's going to get you know at least twenty minutes a game his rookie year. Uh, walk on the court, be very efficient. Uh, you know, at least from three. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Jake Fisher's uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo. His article from about eight days ago. You know, because Kupchak is notorious. He doesn't leak anything. Kupchak's also the only guy who actually doesn't tamper. Like they talk about in that 2016 offseason uh, where certain players were like, I guess the Lakers aren't just going to reach out. And then at 12.01, he called uh, <laughs> Timothy Mozgov's agent. And he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not late. $60 million. Please, please. I'm so sorry I'm late. And then he did the same thing with Luol Dang. And like agents are like, it took them a couple years to realize that Kupchak wasn't an asshole. He just actually believed in rules, unlike the rest of the NBA. So, like, he doesn't leak anything. That's why I thought it was funny that everyone's like, oh, Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller. Like, I don't know. Like, the Hornets have never really tipped their hand. I mean, maybe with, like, the Kai Jones pick, it was clear that we were high on him. But uh, that's something to look forward to. But Fisher also kind of dropped dropped the nugget that uh, Hornets staffers feel like they're in a little bit of limbo. And just not being sure of, like, is this our last season with this Clifford and uh, Kupchak combo? Like, what's to come of this? Like, you know, they're both, you know, obviously have not signed extensions. Uh, So it's just kind of a weird situation to be picking, you know, number two overall. And these guys might not be as invested in the future as even certain fans are. Um, Okay, let me ask you this from an emotional perspective, Tim. Uh, if the Hornets pick Brandon Miller, what's what's going to happen to you? Try to predict it. Um, I'm kind of just going to be in a in a fog for like two or three days, and then when summer league comes around, I'm going to be like, oh my god, can you believe that they took that six two guard that can't shoot? <laughs> Ugh, when has that ever worked out, dude? It's crazy I mean, that Wembenyama is going to get hurt like 17 times this season. He's not even playing summer league. You know what we call that? That's a coward. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about these trade rumors. So the other option for us is to trade the number two pick to a team like the Pelicans who are interested in moving up. Tim, would you trade the number two pick for Zion Williamson straight up just in a vacuum? I would not. Okay. Explain, explain yourself. Um, one, I was kind of lower on Zion to begin with. Uh, he is certainly a great player. There's no doubt about it, but, um, yeah, he's played more than 29 games once in his career, uh, short season. And it's not one of those like freak injury things. Where you're like, oh, God, can you believe the basketball gods robbed of this? It's like, no, that dude was overweight at Duke. He's been overweight in new Orleans and his body is just not built for it. There's no way around it. This would be like the reverse of trading Larry Johnson for Anthony Mason in 96. It's like we are now trading for the broken down Larry Johnson. I'm not saying that Zion will never be good or, you know, he could play 70 games next year. Crazier things have happened. I just, uh, yeah, man, I just don't think he his body is going to be able to keep up with it unless he loses weight. I mean, he's already lost inches off his vertical. Like, go back and watch his Duke highlights and then go back and watch this season's highlights. It's not close. Okay. So I think, I think uh, that if we trade for Zion Williamson, if this trade happened, it, we would immediately have the most talented player in Hornets history. Um, like, you know, I'm talking about Bobcats to Hornets now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, then we would have the most talented player in Hornets history. He's already a two-time All-Star. He's only 22 years old. And I do kind of believe that get Zion in the right situation 
and he will uh, thrive. But like he clearly like hates New Orleans. Um, people don't people don't want to say that, but he just clearly does not love that team and does not love that city. Is Charlotte the answer? Probably, probably not. I'm not sure it would be super different in Charlotte, but it would be like a restart for him, and he would have, you know, Lamella Ball hashtag Hornets culture around him, right? So it would it would be at least extremely fun uh, having the Lamelo Zion combo. I think I would do it um, because because of the we're talking about upside, right? What upside is higher than Zion Williamson in the league? I think a fair amount of players because honestly, I think that he's a great scorer. I mean, is is he an above average defender? No. Is he an above average rebounder? I don't know. Is he an above average playmaker? For the position? <laughs> sure. We can even yeah, we can do it by by position. Yes. All right. I'll I'll give you that one. Right. I mean, so yeah, for 40 games a year, I'm, okay, I'm going to say something I don't fully believe, but um, would you rather have Zion for 35 games or Miles Bridges for 80 games? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, game, games played do matter. Ben Golliver, uh, our mentor, the best, avail, uh, best ability is availability, right? I mean, you have, you have very good points. I still, think I, I still think I would do it just because generational talent in Zion Williamson. It has not gone great in New Orleans, but there have been times. There have been times where it's gone great. If that dude, if somebody can just convince him to lose weight, like I see a world where Zion Williamson becomes top five NBA player, like uh, plays 70 games and just has (laughs) an incredible season. 70 games? Yeah. I would – I'm at the point where I'd be surprised if he ever played seven games. Dude, he, he, like, strained his hamstring and missed 40 games. Yeah. Like, how much – how much weight – like, you know, this is like a balancing act. Like, he clearly – he needs to lose weight. He needed to lose weight at Duke. He needed to lose weight in high school. I mean, that's why he was, like, the number eight prospect. I'm not body shaming anyone. I've gained a bunch of weight. I'm not against it. I'm all for, you know, having a drink and having an eat. It's a good time. But, dude, I think his body is just crumbling under him. I mean, New Orleans had to reteach him how to walk properly. Okay, let's, let's do this. I just want to test to see, like, how crazily high you are on Scoot. All right, number two pick for Ja Morant. I mean, if it's Ja Morant, like, no legal issues, then yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Even though I don't like Ja. But. Right. Number two pick. For the Aaron Fox, um, yeah, we get we get bird rights. I mean, yeah, if De'Aaron Fox had like three years, I would I would probably do that. I also I love De'Aaron Fox. I love how under your breath you're like, did we get bird rights? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just you know, I mean, I guess he's been in Sacramento. No, sh- no shame to Sacramento. It's not like you know, Charlotte's New York. Um, yeah, but I think that De'Aaron Fox is awesome. I mean, I think that. Yeah, but I, I view Scoot as someone who, like, yeah, it's like a, he could be, like, imagine if De'Aaron Fox was, like, 8% better. Right, right. Okay, Um. yeah, so, I mean, final thoughts here, Tim. We have the number two pick. Last last episode, I was just so depressed that we didn't get Victor, Um, as listeners will remember. But either outcome, man, this team looks pretty good. It look, looks pretty good on paper. like. We have the second worst odds to win the NBA Finals next season. I don't really see how that's the case. Uh, starting five: Lamelo Ball, Scoot Henderson, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams. Like, it's kind of a squad. That's kind of a fun team. Um, uh, oh yeah. So how many over under? Uh say over under thirty games if we draft Scoot. Before he replaces Terry in the starting lineup. Oh, uh, good question. Yeah, that's that's another good point because uh, the Hornets notoriously have like not played top picks or not played rookies very much. Um, Steve Clifford now is the coach, is a little bit different. I would say over. I would say over thirty. 
Yeah, I think I think I would as well. Um, you know, one because I think that Scoot will get off to like a bumpy start. Like I don't think he's going to be like terrible, but you know, take take a couple games to get up to speed as a guard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I hate I hate to be the the poor small market podcaster complaining about things, but uh, I think that I mean, could we not be like this year's Sacramento? <laughs> That's a that's a high bar, third seed in the East, but third like, but you know what I mean, like you know if we're six seed next year, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean we we kind of did that two two years ago. Uh, everyone forgets about that. Like we went on like a terrible stretch. What was it like three for fourteen, three three and fourteen over seventeen games in that uh, twenty twenty one twenty two season, right? Like uh, outside of that, we were like in comp- competition for like the three seed for a while there, uh, and were one of if not the most fun team in the league that season until until things went downhill for some reason um but now yeah add, add in scoot uh yeah the, I, I think the nba media in general is just like crazy low on the hornets like just nobody puts any thought into it and just everyone agrees like it's it's super bleak it's really not that bleak it's just not that bleak we have a lot of young talent we have now the uh, artist formerly known as Gordon Hayward, who is now is uh, the expiring contract of Gordon Hayward. We have Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Nick Richards, JT Thor, Cody Martin. I mean, obviously, that's on the all-star team. But, I mean, that's not the starting five that you mentioned. That's really good depth for yeah. a team with the second pick. Yeah, no, no, it is. And everybody's young, except for Terry and, and uh, Gordon. Everybody's young now. So that's, I don't know. It's 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 going to be a fun season. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, injuries don't happen. I just realized I didn't even bring up yeah James Booknight and Kai Jones. You didn't even bring up Kelly's either. Oh yeah, like I mean that's and Bryce McGowan's. I mean that's like legitimately twelve players. And yeah. again, not great, but I mean we had the season from hell last year. Just a bounce back, even with you know the East. I mean, is the East really going to be that much better? Like, no. if James if James Harden leaves Philly, I'm like, we're not going to pass Philly, but it's like, okay, that becomes a little more manageable. The Celtics, they're frauds, as we know. The Bucks, they might lose Brooke Lopez or Chris Middleton. Don't talk about my Celtics like that, bro. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're sick. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, cool. Yeah, so clo- closing thoughts. I I guess I'm 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 also pulling for Scoot. Um, most mostly because of this a whole like emotional thing. Like if we draft Brandon Miller and he's not very good, I'm just gonna it's gonna be tough. Um, <laughs> whereas if we draft Scoot and he comes on slowly, I'll be like, oh yeah, like he he's like a guard prospect. Like it'll it'll take him a while to develop. It won't be as painful. Um, and the fact that that like he's the consensus number two. I'm just going to lean into it. I, I agree. Uh, he also is just crazy fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll uh, we'll be doing a draft recap show that will be dropping next week. Can't wait to talk ourselves into Cam Whitmore when we take it after spending yeah. all this time. Yeah, we're not recording if we draft Cam Whitmore. <laughs> that's, not, that's not happening. Um. <laughs> All right, I mentioned this earlier, Tim. Just completed the data science uh, boot camp. Uh, so uh, round, round of applause, everybody, virtually. Woo! Look at Mark! Woo! Uh, yeah, so that's pretty, that's pretty hype. Um, and with that means, A, uh, more podcast content from us. That was like an extremely stressful three months for me. Uh, and now, now I'll be back to like a normal routine. And then B, just hopefully like more cool statistics to uh, bring up. I brought up some percentiles earlier that were hastily prepared before this podcast, but like me and Tim are going to do some, do some podcasts specifically looking at like statistics uh, in the future. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. We're, uh, we're going to break out videos, uh, you know, be able to find us on YouTube soon enough, be able to, uh, to see our beautiful faces. And uh, that might, what, be uh, honestly, what'd you say? I might decrease viewership, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that way, you know, they'll get to see our nice, our nice tall boys and this and that. Um, but yeah, no, congratulations to Mark. That was awesome. Uh, he's been killing it. Proud of him. Uh, I've also, 
I won't put full responsibility on Mark. I, I've been in a brutal move the last uh, two weeks. Um, if anyone's thinking about moving to the Gibson on Central Avenue, don't do it. They're scoundrels <laughs> and they're <laughs> bastards. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take full responsibility. I was just hella busy. Um, but I made like a NBA salary predictor. Um, I made a model to predict NBA player salary. So one of our future episodes is just going to be breaking down all of the Hornets players and like what the model predicts their salary will be and what their actual salary will be. Uh, the goal of the model is like to like compare the actual salary and then the predicted salary and like the predicted salary spoiler alert for Gordon Hayward is way lower. So like a player who doesn't have good statistics performs lower and it's just kind of cool to look at those numbers. So we'll, we'll do like a full podcast breakdown of that, but we are, we're saving that for like deep into July. When you uh when you try to put in James Booknight stats, so there, does it translate to yen instead of dollars? <laughs> that was a good joke, dude. That's good. Uh, yeah, Dylan Brooks actually, when I put it in, the model couldn't comprehend. Couldn't comprehend what was going on with Dylan. Brooks. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun, super depressing off season when we sign Dylan Brooks and D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, dude. Uh, shout out to all the Windows, Window and uh, Patreon supporters as well. But uh, it's been real, Tim. Hold it down. You don't have anything for Media Corner? Uh, Media Corner, yeah, definitely. Black Mirror new season drops tonight. Tonight, Tim, uh, at 3 a.m. Everybody staying up for that? Probably not. But, uh, yeah, new season. I'm pretty hyped about that. All right, I like I like that. Um, I'm going with the throwback, something we watched together back in the day. Uh, rewatched Old Boy mm. for the first time. Um, make sure if you're going to watch Old Boy, it's from 2003. Do not watch the Spike Lee remake or Mel Gibson remake, whatever it is. Absolutely terrible. But the original Old Boy from 2003, one of the best action movies of all time, and also one of those movies that I don't want to spoil anything. But um, in the best way possible, possible it'll ruin your day. Mmm, interesting. I'll rewatch it too. Uh, Black Mirror esque, actually. Yes. Yeah. So two two related related episodes. I'm thinking there might be a Black Mirror episode about the Hornets drafting Cam Whitmore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll get me to watch Black Mirror. I'll be down. <laughs> All right, it's been real, Tim. All right, be safe out there, Liquor Mark. Peace. Peace.